don't publish this. You don't have my permission. My name is Ryan T. Richardson, and I studied law in two countries, specializing in entertainment and sports, which then led to work as a manager, as a voiceover artist, as a college professor, and as a social media safety speaker. In short, I run my mouth for a living. I come by it naturally. I grew up with a great conversationalist. My dad could start talking to anyone, anywhere, at any time. It made our family vacations a bit longer sometimes because my dad could start a conversation with somebody in line at an amusement park or sitting at a restaurant. A year after my dad passed on to the next life, I went to lunch with a very good friend of mine. And one of the things he said to me really stood out and I never forgot it. He said, when I talked to your dad, I felt respected and I felt listened to. We find ourselves in what has been called the great pause. In the middle of the great pause, I was asked to sit in on the Cheap Flight podcast. I had a blast. Being a guest on that podcast, I realized that there are people in my neighborhood that are doing amazing things. This is one of them. Would you please welcome to the people in your neighborhood, the artist currently known as Sarah Booth. Sarah, are you there? I am here. You are. Where exactly are you in this fine well, world? Currently, I am sitting in my apartment in North Hollywood, California, um, staring at some palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> How? What's the weather like today? It's actually beautiful. It's 75 and full sun. So not too hot, not too cold. Just, just perfect. perfect. That is perfect. We have the illusion of the sun has been out all day here in Windsor. And once you oh. step outside, you realize that it's not as warm as it looks. It's uh, it's a little, it's a tad deceiving. Yeah, so I've I, heard that you guys have gotten some snow and just it's a little bit of a crazy spring for you guys. <laughs> One day it's snow, the next day I'm sitting on my balcony enjoying life, and in the next day it's raining. It is, uh, wow. it, it, there's no predictability to this area whatsoever. So I have some friends that moved down from, um, from uh, Thunder Bay recently and they they are shocked by the massive season changes that happen during the day in this area so yeah it's pretty impressive it's kind of reflecting the world right now we we don't really know what to expect <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's nice to hear that there's a part of the world out there where there's like 75 degree weather and it's sunny and beautiful and there's palm trees so that oh, makes yeah. me feel good how long have you been in the beautiful city of LA uh, we actually moved here this year, five years. So we, we hit that, that milestone this year. It's already and passed? It's been, You've already hit the five-year yeah, mark? Wow. We got here um, the first week of February, five years ago. Yeah. W was there a cele celebration involved of the five-year anniversary? We kind of just like toasted, but uh, we didn't really do anything big, really. And also, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated being at our, this apartment where we're at for uh, two years now. So we kind of celebrated with our neighbors from a distance and, nice. uh, you know, trying to find any excuse to celebrate right now. Actually. Exactly. What, <laughs> what is, what does social distancing mean in LA right now? Well, we're lucky. We have, um, as many people say, there's so much space here. So we do, we're not New York, which is you know, I feel so, so bad for them that, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you can't just go outside and enjoy the uh, the weather and, and any space at all. So for us, we're lucky. We live with, uh, you know, six other units in our building. So we have a big backyard where we can all kind of chill and have happy hours once in a while and nice. be, able to be far away from each Everybody other. Everybody can have, so their, have their own space, but still have some communication going. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's quite nice. That is awesome. That is awesome. What are, what are some of the benefits? Like you, you, you probably could have gone several directions as far as because you, you you didn't you were not from LA, am I mistaken? No. Okay. Yeah. No. So I'm originally from Montreal. Okay. In Canada, Quebec. Yeah. So, uh, for me, I came to California when I was 
I believe I was 12 years old. Okay. Um, I have a great uncle who lives in between LA and San Diego. So we came here for a vacation to visit my great uncle and we were here for about 10 days and I fell in love with it. I was like, the, there's the ocean, there's mountains, there's horses, uh, it, there's Hollywood, yep. all that stuff. So I kind of was like, why doesn't everyone live here? <laughs> and, um, and then when I wanted to pursue acting, you know, New York was always a possibility too. Right. But yep. for me, I was like, oh, I feel like California fits my lifestyle more. And as soon as we moved here, I took up surfing and all that stuff. So I was like, yeah, I definitely made the right choice on that one. So there, what you're saying is there's not a lot of surfing in Montreal these days. Not very much. We okay. have All one. Right. Uh, we have one kind of nonstop wave in uh, the the St. Lawrence River, but okay. yeah. I don't really feel safe going to ride that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cold. <laughs> so L.A. was the place you said you, you went as a, as a at twelve years old and decided this is this is a place where I could live, I could stay, and and then what was the what what motivated you to make the move later on in life? Um, so me and Gavin are both in the film industry okay. and we came a few times to just, uh, work on music videos and, you know, it's definitely a hub for us. So every chance, uh, we could get to come down here, we did. And I just remember the first time when we landed, I was like, I just, I, I, you know, that it just reinforced what I felt at 12 years old. Wow. And basically what happened after that is we, me and Gavin made a film called The Scare House that came out through Universal. And when it came out in the States, we decided to do, you know, just come down here for two months, get the meetings that we could get since we had a movie come sure. out. And um, it was also February and March. So we we're like, let's <laughs> per leave perfect Canada. Time, perfect time to be out of Canada for sure. Yep. Exactly. And then um, a month into our two month visit, I made an appointment with an immigration lawyer and I was like, let's just do it. Like, let's stay. And we legitimately ended up never leaving. Uh, we came down planning for two months with a suitcase each. And then we got our immigration lawyer going, got all the paperwork going and just never left. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it is. It's a it's a massive leap to move from one part of the world to the, to the other. Yes. What what do you find are the benefits of living in LA for you and for what you and Gavin are doing? Um, for us, it's definitely you meet people like, you know, a huge percentage of the city works in film and television. So it's a, just a place where you can bump into someone at the coffee shop and end up being like creative partners, you know, a couple of weeks later where versus other cities, uh, you know, there's just a lot more types of jobs and you definitely have that artistic community. But here I just feel like it's bigger and you really do just bump into people. And of course, this is where a lot of the decision makers are. And the weather was a huge factor for me. <laughs> like, yes. you yeah, know, it, it for sure. Like I just, for me in the winter, I get gloomy and I just don't enjoy it that much. Right. So, uh, yeah, just coming down here and really being in like the outdoors a lot more made sense for me. And as an actor, you know, just meeting all these casting directors and creators is just extremely beneficial. Now, you said that you work in the film industry. What, mm -hmm. uh, what role do you play in the film industry? So I started out as an actor and I still am okay. an actor. Um, mm -hmm. But after I graduated from theater school, you know, you, you like get out of school and you're like, I'm just going to work. And then you realize that no one will hire you because you have zero experience. I'm like very a lot of other industries, of course. So I put my producer hat on and I started to produce plays and then eventually produce some shorts and some features. When I met Gavin, we would start to we started to produce together. And um, yeah, so those are the two roles that I play actor and producer. Now, how did you find acting? Like, how, how did you wind up to say, this is what I want? It was, was there a film or a project or an actor or somebody that, that inspired you to move into acting? Definitely. Um, when I was younger, I grew up in a very small town of 2,000 people. So I grew up like riding my pony and not watching any movies. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I didn't even know acting was a thing. Like my home had Little Women, Shirley Temple movies, and Disney movies. Okay. So which I, is a solid base. 
yeah, not bad. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think it was a job. Like I right. never imagined that that's something you can do in life. And I, in when I was in high school, I was love sports, love doing sports, and our high school is very sports oriented. But uh, in my last year of high school, they decided to start an arts program and we put on a musical and I got cast as the lead and I just fell in love. And then I found a program in Montreal that was, I could get, you know, my post-secondary education, but still pursue acting. So I got a a diploma in professional theater. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was definitely in high school that that just clicked for me. And my parents were super supportive, especially if I was getting a diploma for it. Um, sure, but before yeah. that, I thought I would either be a spokesperson for a company, which was a job that my uncle had that I thought was super cool. You get to travel around and just talk to people and present trophies and stuff like that. Um, or uh, my dad was a truck driver and I was like, oh my God, I could totally just like drive all day. <laughs> I <laughs> love the, driving. On so the road, driving, thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. totally. Yeah. So that definitely sparked it for me, uh, that, that high school play. Do you remember, do you remember like, what wow. that play was? Yes, it was Fame. Oh, wow. Okay. Fame, Fame was the first musical. one that you did. Yeah, what? First thing that I did. Yeah. That is uh, Janice's, one of Janice's favorite uh, projects. Really? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, let her know that I probably did okay as an actor, but that I can't sing. So I don't know why I was cast in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there any uh, film out there of uh, the that production or anything I'm that's going to sure my later? grandmother has it on ah, VHS. Somewhere. Okay, okay. <laughs> It will resurface soon, I'm sure. That's that's what YouTube is for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very cool, very cool. So that got that ignited something in you where you said, "I can do this." For, even from not knowing that it was even a job or something that you could do uh, full time, when you found out that you could, you went, "This is this is it. This is this is the right fit for me." Yeah, I I mean, I always grew up um, dancing. And uh, I com- I competed uh, in the equestrian world, so I was kind of used to like that showmanship and that performance a- okay. performance aspect, which I, I really really enjoyed. I did not know that you competed uh, in equest- in equestrian uh, shows. Yes, I did. Wow! Um, ever since I was tiny, my mom had horses, so okay. I just grew up with horses, and uh, I I mostly competed in dressage, mm-hmm. but also in like general, just like jumping and like different, you know, different things like that, but mostly in dressage. So, um, so I really liked being in front of people. I liked performing. And then once I saw that I could pursue acting, um, post-secondary, which was like a really important thing for my parents. Like they really supported anything I would do, but they just wanted me to get some kind of piece of paper that no one has ever asked me for, by the way, <laughs> since I graduated. <laughs> they haven't had to but, produce your uh, your degree or your certificate or anything like that? There's no, never. no proof. It's of- like, I don't even think I, I don't even know if I still have it. I mean, if someone asked me for it, I'd be like, oh, don't you just want to hear me act <laughs> or watch me act? Well, it's it's really interesting. I didn't know about the equestrian competitions because I, my, one of my best friends growing up, uh, also competed in the states, and so oh, no I would spend afternoons after school, a couple hours sometimes, going to different riding competitions, uh, weekends sometimes. So I spent a lot of time watching her compete, and it was it was really cool. But now that you mention it, the work ethic that was involved in doing that really would translate oh, yeah. to to acting the, the, the persistence the the time that you put in yeah and, and like the practice the practice for like that one moment sure, you know right. to be like this is it yep. yeah yep. for sure and i remember wanting you know when i was like in my early teens wanting to be like just go to my friend's house that weekend to just hang out and stuff and my mom would be would tell me like if you don't ride your horse today you're not going to go to that competition so right. i would get up super early in the morning and ride my pony really really fast and be like see i did it and then like go hang out with my friends <laughs> um but it definitely taught me like discipline for sure yeah that that was the question i had yeah yeah what what do you take away from that early discipline that helps you now uh in the business yeah no it's definitely like i never had um the expensive pony i think my pony cost three hundred dollars and i was competing against sixty to eighty thousand dollar ponies 
and I was beating them. And it was because I was putting in the hard work and, you know, my mom was just as passionate about it as I was. So we really enjoyed it and put in that work to, you know, be able to prove ourselves. And we really enjoyed beating those expensive ponies. (laughs) (laughs) It's an extra sense of satisfaction for sure. Exactly. Which which really sounds like an eighties film when you think about it. The three hundred dollar horse. Totally make that. The three hundred dollar yes. horse that beats the sixty to eighty thousand dollar, you know, showbreds. Showbreds? Oh, yeah. Thoroughbreds. That's, That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's definitely, you know, it's like it's the the underdogs. Yeah. Story, you know, absolutely. And everybody loves a good underdog story. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the first time we met was I know it was in Windsor. Uh mm-hmm. Gavin and I got together for coffee and he's like, You've got to meet. You've got to meet my wife. You have to meet her, and then and you, you were like, "Why?" And, 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 and yeah, and I think you made a special trip. I felt I felt very honored. If you made a special trip to come down to where we were, the cafe, to uh, yes. meet me for the first time, which was awesome. And then the second time, uh, I was in Toronto. I, I was on my way to Thunder Bay for a speaking gig, and I was staying at the lovely yes. Strathcona Hotel uh, in downtown Toronto. And both of you came and picked me up. Brought me back to your place. We had dinner. It was awesome. I saw early yeah. cuts of the scare house, which was uh, a treat, to say the I least. Remember and I remember that. I remember that. It was awesome. Into our basement, it, our little dungeon apartment in Toronto. Yes, that's right. Aren't, aren't all <laughs> apartments all apartments in Toronto are, are dungeons, though? Aren't they? Most of them. I I feel like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel Everybody that I've known sure. that lives in Toronto has a dungeon apartment. <laughs> so. Don't, don't feel slighted. For it. <laughs> they pay thousands for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we had a great time. And again, get, getting to see the early cuts of the scare house, which as you said, you, you took on a, a greater role with the scare house than you had as an actress. I would, I would assume, right? Yeah. Well, it was a very interesting journey for that film because usually films take, you know, a very long time to get from even just from a finished script to you know, in front of a camera, but right. we were quite lucky because, well, it, you know, it started out unlucky because we ended up losing um, a feature film that Gavin was supposed to make because of just a lot of reasons, uh, yes. but they ended up dropping the movie, but they really enjoyed Gavin's work and working with him and his ideas. So they said, what else do you got? A different subject matter. And he pitched him, uh, he pitched uh, the owner of the company this idea and they said, cool, uh, can you write it in a couple of weeks so we can, you know, shop it around and make sure it's good to go and all that stuff. And so we basically locked ourselves in our apartment for, I think it was two to three weeks. I, I'm not sure exactly how long, but it was between two to three weeks and Gavin wrote the script. But since all the lead roles were females, I had a lot of input uh, into you know, just scenarios or different outcomes Absolutely. and a lot of brainstorming with him. Yeah. So we were able to, uh, you know, pound out that script in about two weeks. And so I was able to not only be an actor on the film, but also help produce it and also have some input in the story, which was really fun. Were you able to flesh out some of the dialogue that would be, you know, the most realistic in that situation? Yeah, yeah, I definitely put wow. I'm not super strong with building dialogue in a scene, right. but Gavin would run some some lines by me and we would, you know, just kind of like ping pong back and forth like what if she said this or this or um we also have a friend in Montreal who is just like, you know, one of those friends that just has the zingers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um she definitely threw some good zingers our way too. So it was a really fun collaboration. Absolutely. On that that is a yeah. hi- highly recommended for those out there listening that haven't seen the Scarehouse yet. You need to find it, pick it up, uh watch it. Yeah, cause... I think you can uh you can find it on Amazon. And yes. then it's also playing on Showtime. I think Showtime still has it. They played it for a while. Um, yeah, just Google it and you'll be able to find it. But yeah. Amazon, you can rent it there. And, and the points of humor in the middle of and it, the way it was kind of spread throughout the movie is I, I, today, part of preparing, I watched uh, the last half hour again. I was like, I uh-huh. got, I got to see that. I'll, I'll take the time to watch the whole thing. I try to watch it every, you know, at least once a year or once every or twice a year. I have actually the, yeah. uh, I have the very limited, extremely limited Blu-ray edition. Uh, oh no way! Because I was able to order it to my U.S. mailing address, so I got that. I already had my copy that I had bought over in Canada, but then while I was in the states picking up my Blu-ray, uh, I was at a store and there it was on DVD. So I actually have the amalgamated, extremely limited edition. Blu-ray, U.S. DVD, Canadian DVD. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yes, which I'm going to wait and sell on eBay for like uh, half a million dollars in a couple of years. Just, just so you know. Yeah, hold on to that. Just so I you know. I plan on being very famous. That's I plan on being very, very famous. You are definitely on your way. <laughs> so let us <laughs> let us take a minute. We're going to hear a word from one of our sponsors. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wing Chung tonight. It'll actually take me less time to explain the benefits of using Anchor to start your podcast. So let's go with that. Anchor is absolutely the easiest way to start and manage your own podcast. Download it from your app store, launch the app, and Anchor will guide you through the steps necessary to get all set up. You'll be up and running within a few minutes. Also check this out, Anchor is absolutely free, both the app and the service. And they do really all of the heavy lifting for you by distributing your podcast to all the major networks. And check this out, you can actually even make money on your podcast. So again, it's dead simple and absolutely free. Get out to your app store now and download the Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm on your laptop or desktop browser, and you can get signed up and started there. We know you've got some extra time on your hands, so get out there, get yourself that Anchor app. Oh, and hey, look up our show, Cheap Flight, in the Discover section of the app. Leave us a voice message, and we'll mention your podcast on the show. Everything's better in L.A. Says who? People in L.A. Yeah, didn't you never not notice that people from up here go down to L.A. and then they come back up here calling it L.A.? Is that what they do? L.A. L.A. Thank you. L.A. And everything's better in L.A. What, never met one of them before? It's all they talk about. What, you've never even been to L.A.? You have to come to L.A. You love L.A. And we are back with Sarah Booth, who is explaining and sharing with us stories of working in the film industry as an actor, as a contributor, co-writer, as a producer. Are there any roles that I missed mm-hmm. that you've done? Um, well, ever since I moved to L.A., you know, you have to kind of start that whole career over again. So I did do a stunt show for a while and I do uh, some stunt doubling and performing as well. And how did you get into stunt doubling and doing stunt shows? I actually auditioned for a live show at Universal Studios Waterworld, if you guys remember oh, yes. that movie from 1998. Kevin Costner. Um, Kevin Costner. And um, yeah, so they have a 20-minute uh, live stunt show at Universal Studios. And there's fire and boats and zip lining and fighting. It's honestly like who doesn't want to do that as a day job? So when I first got here, I auditioned for that show. I got to be cast in it, which was super fun. And I did it for about three and a half years. And through meeting, you know, all the cast members and our bosses, our big stunt coordinators, I was able to do a few gigs here and there. Um, and I re- really enjoyed my time doing the stunts. But after, you know, about four years of doing it, I was like, you know what? I, For me, for my priorities in right. life, like I really want to be an actor. And if I fell or really injured myself one day, I don't think I would ever be able to forgive myself. Um, you know, let's say if I ended up not being able to, you know, perform as an actor because of that injury. Yeah. It would kind of really be a bummer. So for me, I kind of like let go of the gas on that, um, you know, that Mm -hmm. line of work, but I still definitely want to do as much of my own stunts as possible. And it also gives you a nice reel of things that you've done in, in stunts and, you know, when you when you when you oh, had yeah. that experience, uh, you know it, people can see. Oh, that that's a part of the, the many facets that uh, that Sarah has, which is exciting. Well, that's the thing. Like, and you send it to them, and people just want to hire you because they think you're like super badass. So and <laughs> it and video it and video hurt. games, right? You uh, yes, yeah. And I was able to do a couple. Of, yeah, Far Cry. And I've worked uh, kind of as utility on other uh, video games, which means like you play like random characters. Um, So a lot of the time you'll go in and do a lot of just, you know, hundreds of movements during the day and you'll be used to play random characters in the game. So that's super fun. That's like using your imagination. You're in a giant, giant warehouse in this like onesie with uh, little sensor trackers all over you and you just kind of get to play around and And you have to uh, really use your imagination. I was going to say you have to put yourself into the scenario where you're, you know, understanding the scenario that you're not necessarily physically in, but in your mind you you have to get there, right? 
Exactly. Or like I remember sometimes when you are utility, you know, you don't know what you're going to play during the day. You just show up and they're like, okay, so here's all the different characters we need you to play today. And, you know, sometimes you go in, you get to play assassins and like cool stuff like that. Or like I've walked in and they're like, okay, so you're going to be playing like a 25 foot dragon. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Sure. That makes sense. Sure I will. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like your experience in the theater would help you to prepare for that kind of thing. Absolutely. To be able to put yourself in the moment and just do it. Exactly. Yeah. Because in the theater, I mean, you build the whole show is most of the time in like a a workspace that's not the actual theater you're going to be performing in. So you're just like in almost like a classroom type room and you're just rehearsing and rehearsing. So you really have to, you know, set that world up for yourself. And then usually when you get to you know, the actual dress rehearsals or the cue to cues or that kind of stuff. When you start to see the set come together, that's like when it really just feels like, okay, like we're about a week away and it's really exciting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's interesting because you, you show up on our TV quite a bit, uh, <laughs> just rattling off a couple of names uh, of shows that you've been on American Horror Story, Roanoke, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Trapped, the Alex Cooper story, yep. uh, Deadfall, uh, uh, Helix. I remember that. And uh, there's two I want to draw attention to mm-hmm. uh, from your from your repertoire. The first is uh, 192, mm-hmm. which is shot, I believe, was shot in was it shot in Montreal? Yes, it was shot in Montreal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That. So we, you know, had never heard of the show before, and Jan, I found it, and Janice and I watched the episode that you were in, which then led us to be hooked on that show, it's and good, we watched right? episode one right to the very end. I think it was four or five seasons. And uh, because you were in that one, you, you know, you hooked us on that show. And the closest thing, there was a show called Southland that we were big fans of. And then yes. that got canceled. Yeah. And, and 19 was the closest thing to the kind of the grit of, of that show. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So thank, thank you very much for, uh, you know, kind of being the gateway into, into 19 for us. You're very welcome. Actually. Yeah. And that, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you've researched it, but that series, the English version was based on the French version. The French version right, was yeah. wildly uh, popular in Quebec. So they decided to make the English version. What was fun is that some of the characters uh, were bilingual. So they were able to play in both, to play in the both series. series. Yeah, which is wow. very, very cool. Yeah, that is very cool. It, again, that's I'll, I'll list these things so that people can find them. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can find 19.2 and it's available, they put it on a DVD. It is it is a great show to watch start to finish and i think their Absolutely. second season was i in the first season i think you were i think it was the second season okay i think it was like near the beginning of the second season then i think the beginning of the next season has that crazy one take with the school shooting yes <gasps> isn't that yes. good yeah it was it, it's it's you know we were already hooked on the show by that point but when we got to that episode it was like oh my goodness they did it yeah they, they actually did it i can't i can't believe this yeah that was it was unbelievable yeah i will uh make sure we can link to those as well. Uh, but 19.2 definitely is a, is a good recommend. The other the thing that I want to draw attention to is SVU. Oh, yeah. Which is like on a holy grail level at our house. Because uh, <laughs> you know, we, we keep up with you and, and we, you got the, you know, it was like you posted this picture. I believe it was with uh, Olivia Benson. And I know she has a real name and I yeah, know what it is. Uh, yeah, see, you can say it. Uh, you can say it uh, with the proper pronunciation. I would just mess it up. Uh, for sure but we 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 got the message and we went we were again this is i don't know if we've told you this we were so excited like oh my goodness she got an svu there's a picture she's actually there with olivia benson blah blah blah. and and then the second thought was well you know guest stars don't last usually very long on svu that was was, she gonna be in the first three minutes and then she's done That's, you know, before the credits run. Oh my goodness. Well, we're excited that she's on period. That's awesome. It was certainly, certainly the thing that carried us through, but we, you know, having watched almost every episode of that show, we went, yeah, oh, it'll be, I hope she survives through the the show. And you lived until the end. I sure did. At the end of the episode, you were alive, which is, there's. SNL has this thing called the Five Timers Club. All the people that have hosted multiple times. Mm-hmm. You are a you. You lived till the end of an SVU episode, which I think I don't know. There should be some designation or some kind of award given. I mean, to you I'm for that. you know I'm still waiting for my call to come back. Like I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you you could right. You could it's certainly come possible. back because 
it was it was and it was it was they're all I mean the show's great, but that episode in particular was so compelling and was so um I was so moving. Yeah, uh, and- honestly, like when I got the audition, I was like come on. Like okay, sure. Like this is right. like I love SBU. Like yeah. love love love. So I was just like honored to audition for it. And um, it was so funny because it was my birthday when I got the audition. So happy birthday to me. And then right, I yeah. remember taping for it and being and being like, okay, like um, I feel pretty comfortable with that. And I needed to tape for that night. Gavin had to cancel my birthday party. <laughs> and right, then right. I got up the next day and I was like, I don't feel like super confident about this audition. So I re-taped it and then I sent it in. And I think like hmm. maybe just – a day or two later, I got the call from my agent being like, hey, so they're like really interested in you. Will you shave your head? And I was like, uh, yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like, of course, I'm like, this is on a Friday and I have to wait all weekend to be like, what's happening? Right, what's right. happening? And you don't hear anything for like a week and you're like, OK, well, maybe not. And then I got right. the call being like, no, they want you. And it was just like, wow, I was just like flabbergasted, like, like sure. cloud nine. Oh, my God. <laughs> So is with roughly within about 10 days from the time you sent the audition, you had the part? I think so. Yeah. I remember I wow. auditioned for it like from my bedroom in Los Angeles because they cast right. in New York. And I remember yeah. I had to fly back to Canada for something. So I was actually in my hometown uh, when I got the call that I got it. So I just ended up staying in Canada for an extra couple of days and flying uh, to New York from there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 10 days. I, I, I'm not trying to belittle the 10 days, but is 10 days normal to hear back on a, an audition I or mean, is it for, usually, is usually more than that? No, for episodic, it's usually pretty quick because like right, if there's a true. really big turnaround, like I think it was, I like, I don't know exactly how many days it was from when I mm-hmm. sent the audition, but you know, usually if it's episodic, you're hearing within like a week for sure. Got it. Because, because they're, they're shooting casting. as the seasons. Yeah, yeah. As the season's going, they're shooting more episodes. Exactly. For films, Got it. it can be very random. Sometimes for a film, you'll get an audition and you're on set, you know, a couple weeks later, or sometimes it's like months later. Like I had an audition right. last year in August and, you know, I went in, didn't hear anything from it. And then I got a call in December being like, Hey, can you come back for that role? And I was like, Whoa, that was a long time. Mm-hmm. So you that never was know. a while, yeah. Yeah, so that's right. why every time okay. I audition, I'm like, I put it in a bubble and I blow it away because who knows? I, that, and that was my my question was, how do you handle even those ten days where you're you know you've, you've sent it in, you're hearing good things at the beginning, and then you got another you know seven or eight, six or seven days between when you're not, you're you're not sure. But I think you just explained how you. Yeah, because you never because that's the thing. Like one when I feel like one misconception of Hollywood is like, oh, you always get rejected. That's not true, right? Because if they don't like you, you just won't hear anything back. If they like you, that's the hard part. Is when they when someone says, okay, so they're interested, and you're like, okay, so what does that mean? And they're like, well, I don't know. I I just know that they're interested, and you're like, okay, so that's when your your wheels start turning and you start getting anxious. Right. But for me, any audition I do, I'm just like, all right, next. <laughs> what what a healthy what a, what a healthy way of of approaching it. Yeah, you have to for sure for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I like the I like the image of how did you say put it in a bubble? Put it in a bubble and who blow it away. <laughs> wow, was that was that a piece of advice that you were given? Oh yeah, yeah. Because if you take every audition, like let's say you don't book the part for that, you know that audition, it's just like mm-hmm. you can't you can't take it as a rejection because I think a huge help for me in that world was I helped cast the Scarehouse. And right. I wanted to cast all my friends because all my friends are so talented. And sure, of course, I want to work with my friends. But then you get all these auditions and you're like, oh, man, like she's blonde and she's <laughs> blonde. And like, I just feel like we need like a different look. And that's not the essence of the character. So you're like, my friend sure. had the best audition, but it just wasn't who we were looking for. And it's really is like it comes down sometimes to just very very small things like that. Like I just auditioned today for something that uh, I auditioned to be part of a family. And then you have to okay. think, well, they all have to have like, you, they have to be believable as, as a family. So a little bit of resemblance right. or something like that. So, you know, there's restrictions to casting all the time that you just can't control. 
And it's, it's interesting that you're saying that is that it, it sounds to me, tell me if I'm wrong, that you, it makes you a, a better actor to have been on the other side of the table as far as casting for the scare house mm -hmm. where you had to make decisions. And as you said, the first instinct is, well, I've got these 10 friends and they're going to be great in this. And then you start to see somebody else and you find somebody that's perfect for the role. Yeah. And then you've got to make a decision as to whether you're going to stick with the original plan or do something different. Exactly. But it, it gives you more of a perspective having been on the other side of the table, you know, when, when you're submitting your auditions and you're making, you know, getting in front of people. Absolutely. Is, uh, Absolutely. Wow, because sometimes, you know, um, when you're when you're making a, a movie or casting a movie, you have an idea of what you want the character to be. Yep. And and this is like, you know, the million dollar question that all the actors ask is like, well, what does it take to book it? What does it take to to book these roles? And it's something that you can't explain because someone will walk into a room and just open their mouth and you're like, oh my God, that's her. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like you just can't explain. Because obviously they, they have an idea in their head of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. And, when and you, sometimes someone will walk in and change that, their sure. mind yeah, too. Exactly. Which is super exciting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine that uh, in casting for, uh, well, it's the bold and the beautiful in, uh, in LA. Oh yeah. And she was saying that she said, there's several people that they call regularly. And she said, a couple of them will get very discouraged because they'll say, I, I've been called for this show for 10 auditions and I haven't gotten one. And she said, but you keep getting us, we're, we're calling you back still. Like, you know, like that's a, yeah. that's a good thing. That's a, you know, if, yeah. if, if we didn't see something in there that we wanted that we're trying to find the right fit for you. We wouldn't keep calling you back in to come back. So, so she said she was saying, "Don't get discouraged in that. But recognize that the fact that you're being called back is a very good thing." Yeah, exactly. Because basically, they're putting their butt on the line, right, to give her the ten minutes, a precious ten minutes that uh, that you know it's that it's not easy to get those auditions. Like I remember asking a casting director, "All right, for like a typical like guest star role on a show." Um, how many submissions do you get and how many people do you get to audition? And she was like, ah, you know, we'll get anywhere between like five to 8,000 submissions. And then right. we'll be able to see anywhere between six to 18 people. And you're like, wow. So getting an audition like is, yep. you're, it's a win. They're just waiting to fit you into the right spot, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That persistent, yeah. that persistence is important for sure. Yeah. For sure. So speaking of persistence, and you mentioned the 192 episode that was the one take, uh, one take, one shot uh, episode. You did a one take film called Last Call. I did. You did. How did how did your experience in theater prepare you for Last Call? Um, it was basically what we did minus the the camera work, like the dance with the cameraman was pretty much theater. Sure. Um, it was so much fun. It, it, I think my theater background prepared me in a way of letting things happen and not stressing out because every single show, something will happen for sure. sure. Yeah. It could be a good thing or it could be a terrible thing, but something weird and different is going to happen every time. Um, so not to stress out about that. I thought, um, I have a really good, uh, growing up dancing. I have a really good memory, like uh, muscle memory. So, you know, the physical part of that movie, uh, was, uh, definitely like my theater background helped me because on my side of the camera, I was moving a lot of places, remembering to, you know, put something here, put something there you know, there's just a lot of choreography involved with it. And uh, just the collaboration aspect as well, uh, the rehearsal process of having everyone get together and, you know, every, every part of the script we have to figure out and that may change and you just have to be cool with that and roll with the punches. And yeah, so it felt like you have to have this mix between being very detail oriented, but being able to let go and just like shift at any point. Think on your feet. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was I. The first time I saw uh, at the, I think that was downtown Windsor, uh, the yes. first screening here. I was there and I watched and just observed and like I, I, I just, I just got into the into the scenario and just observed it and was participating in it. And then the second mm -hmm. time I watched, it was more taking mental notes of like things like not seeing anybody operating a camera, and right. you know how you do a shot 
when you are in a car and then you move from the car into the building with, again, without seeing a camera, without running into anybody on the street. Uh, again, I was the, the technical side of my brain was working more on the second uh, viewing and just marveling that I wasn't seeing all the things that could have happened or, you know, could have, could have worked out differently. Uh, and yeah. I know that was one of how many takes? We ended up doing um, five full takes, like successful Start to takes finish. that were like, okay, which one's going to be the movie? And, yeah. and the length yeah. was what, 85, 80, 80 to 85 minutes? The length is 77 minutes. Okay. So five yeah. complete takes of a 77-minute film. Yeah. And then on wow. rehearsals, like we would shoot, um, like once we we had a kind of our blocking down and we kind of knew roughly what we were doing, we started rehearsing on camera. So I like, I can't even tell you how many times we did it. Sure. I mean, Gavin yeah. could probably dig through some, <laughs> some hard drives <laughs> and tell you, but yeah, we did it a lot, a lot of times, but it was fun because you get to get so comfortable in, in it that you can play around yeah. and you're not feeling stressed out. Like, Oh my God, if I, if I make, if I just like decide to make a different choice here, just to see, am I going to really screw this all up? But we didn't have that pressure because we really played with it a lot that we, that we had, we had our lanes and we knew where we could play, you know? Right, right. But in my head, I was thinking almost the, the um, image of balancing on a tightrope. Yes. You know, at, at every moment that you're doing this, uh, you, you're balancing on it. And that was what's keeping you motivated and challenged and excited at the same time. And it certainly came through the performance, the, oh, like the, abs the absolute challenge of what you were doing. The, the sound guys had to turn down my mics for the first 15 minutes of the movie because all you could hear was my heartbeat. Oh, sure. Yeah. It yeah. was just like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just yeah. like in full adrenaline mode. But once like we started to really like, you know, once we were about 15, 20 minutes into the movie, you're just like get into the groove and I would like calm down a little bit. But yeah, like sitting in that car waiting for the action, I was just like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. And as much as we're talking about it, it is hard to describe to somebody that hasn't seen it yet. So those of you out there, if you have not seen it, go online, look at the trailers, see exactly because of the behind the scenes stuff and see mm -hmm. exactly what we're talking about because the, the sheer thrill, uh, and again, having known you for several years too, both of you, the thrill of knowing, oh my goodness, I, I, I all I was thinking about was what was going on in, in your heads while you were doing this in amazing film, while I'm still being drawn into it the second time through and still feeling all the emotion and feeling the, the urgency of it. Uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And, and I, I draw parallels to, to, from last call to your performance on SVU, mm, you know, the, the yeah. amount of, of emotion that you had to convey, uh, through the, both of those performances. Uh, you delivered, but for sure. But I, there was, I find there's a real comparison, you know, in those two and, and how you in both scenarios were able to take us into a moment that maybe we hadn't been in before and start to yeah. understand, understand everything that's at play in that for sure. Yeah. I think like so, one of the, thank you. one of the, you're very welcome. I think one of the similarities between those two characters and a reason that I do get cast in a lot of these kinds of roles is because I definitely have an ease to like show a strength on camera, but then I can um, also be very vulnerable within that character. So I think that's something that was both with Beth from SVU and Oh my gosh, they're both called Beth and Beth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. From they were, last they call. Are. That yeah. is right. So both Beth 1.0 and Beth 2.0 definitely were strong women, but that, uh, you know, once you see the cracks, I think that that vulnerability is even more sweet to the audience because you have right. that like hard shell on the outside. Yeah. Everybody needs to see Last Call is is what I was yes. saying the first time out of the theater, and I'm still seeing it uh, this many months later. So everybody uh, needs to see that film. And what I find is, is cool, too, is that it's yours. I know. It yeah. is it is your film. It is your film. When when uh, some of the film festivals or a lot of film festivals started calling, uh, you could say, yep. <laughs> Did you have to check with anybody to to authorize whether you could be a part of a film festival? No, no, it was just uh, up to Gavin and David. Uh, David's the other actor of the movie. He co-wrote right. the film with Gavin, who's my husband, the director and writer of the film as well. And um, yeah, so it's fun that they're uh, able to control 
this movie because we made it for such a small budget. So uh, it's been really interesting too because we've had a lot of interest because it's such a unique film. So it's been opening up a lot of doors for Gavin as a filmmaker and as an innovator of storytelling. And we've had some pretty fun interest, um, especially during these times, during the shutdown. A lot of people are looking for, uh, you know, uh, original content. And uh, so we've gotten a lot more interest in the film. So we're excited to share some Share That's some great. exciting news soon about it. I, I'm very, I yeah. can't wait to hear that for sure. So as you mentioned in this particular time, this very strange time in society, in the world uh, where people are spending, let's say we're, they're spending more time indoors. Uh, how are you staying creative during this time? Oh, for me to stay creative, I'm, uh, I move, I need to move my body in order to feel happy and, uh, kind of like aligned and on it. So for me, I've been running and uh, I work out with uh, clients every day. I also teach fitness. So I get to kind of get those juices flowing and just kind of creating like little um, challenges for myself and with some friends, like meditation challenges, little writing challenges. So that's been uh, good to have friends to stay accountable with. And um, also watching stuff, you know, that's super inspiring. So me and Gavin have finished a couple seasons of things that have brought some ideas uh, to our brains for future things, too. Very nice. What, what are you watching? What have you seen recently? We finished uh, Waco uh, last week. Oh, yes. Yeah. How was that? How was I loved it. I thought I yeah. was I think I was just not in the loop when Waco happened. Maybe I was just like a little bit young for Waco. Sure. Um, Because when was it? 92? 90. Yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. So I was like six, you know, so I'm sure my mom wasn't like, here's what's happening, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Let's sit down and watch this documentary. So I never researched it and I had no idea what the outcome was. So I was hopeful. Um, but, uh, we watched that. So I thought the performances were great. And I thought, you know, just the storytelling on both sides was very cool that it wasn't a one-sided situation. And, um, we also finished season three of Ozark, which is fantastic. Have you seen (laughs) Ozark? Oh my, that that ending? Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every, every season has had a, has had moments like that. Oh yeah. Oh, probably every, every episode has moments like that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, yeah. Season three of Ozark. Uh, you know, what's funny this time with Ozark, we didn't binge it straight through. Oh, that's a good idea. Because I find sometimes it's, it's too much. Like you're, you're not drinking it all in and, and, you know, and, and measure when you're trying to just watch eight episodes or 10 episodes and in, in, uh, two nights. I agree. So we, we, we took a little bit more time and I think we appreciated it even more. Uh, because yeah, Ozark is, uh, Jason Bateman can do no wrong. Yeah. And what, like, I think my favorite part of the series, uh, no spoilers, but maybe theme spoilers is that, you know, the beginning of the series is really focused on Jason's character and you're, you know, it's the Walter White. You're like, all right, we're on board. And then yep. it evolves and it you're is. just like, oh, maybe this isn't just your story it's, anymore. And I really appreciate yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen such a switch. It moves to Laura Linney's story, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. like she becomes yeah. the badass matriarch. Yeah. Like she's just like, sorry, like I'm, I'm going to take the reins. <laughs> and you're like, all right. I can do this better than you and I'm going to show you how. But I'm not going to exactly. tell you all the details. Yeah, yeah, there was there were so many great discussions between the two of them in this season that, you know, like, do you want me to tell you everything? No. I don't know. <laughs> do I need to know? I don't know. It was like there were so many hidden meanings to everything they said to each other this season. I found even more than than the first two, which yeah. I thought was great. Yeah, You're no, watching. And like all the other female characters too have all yeah. been like even the daughter. I thought the daughter in season two, I was like, eh. And right. then this season, right. you're like, oh. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like they really wrote them up. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's not there's not a, a certainly Julia Garner is one of those ones oh that uh, that nobody had ever heard of before the first season, and now she's everywhere. Like she's she's doing a lot she's of stuff. She's amazing. Yeah. I have to watch her new movie. Gavin watched it, The Assistant. The Assistant it was amazing. Yeah, did he enjoy it? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. He loved it. it. Yet. Okay, yeah. very cool, very cool. Is there anything? And she was in Waco. Oh, she's in Waco too. Yeah, she okay, plays yeah. Uh, one of the like young mothers. Yeah. And see, we're, we, the way we do things sometimes, we'll discover, discover, we'll find somebody that we hadn't seen in anything else before, and then we'll go back and say, oh, what else did they do? 
And yeah. Julia Garner's one of those where we like Dirty John. She was I don't know if you saw Dirty John at all. I haven't. No. It was excellent with uh, Connie Britton. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yeah, I think I think you'd like that one. It was it was uh, really good. Okay. So yeah, that. that's so so you found some stuff to watch and you're staying active, uh, working with clients and encouraging and building them up yeah. and all that kind of good stuff. So. Yeah, working out and having a good time, you know, like just doing all the things that I love, and that's what I think is a really important thing for people right now. Is like so many fe- people feel pressure to like work out or eat good or be productive or whatever all those things are, and it's just right. Like, just, at this point, you know, just do what you need to do to survive and be happy, you know, whether yeah. that's sitting on the couch and watching a ton of TV or going and running a marathon, do you do you, you know? You do you. What's, yeah. is that, it sounds like a theme of our conversation for sure. <laughs> yeah. Do, you do you. You have, you have fun. You enjoy what you're doing. Exactly. And, and enjoy the moment for sure. Now, everything's really been building up to this one question. How is Puck doing? Oh my gosh, he is living his best life. Quarantine life is for this dog. He is never alone. He always has attention. Um, he has separation anxiety, so being alone is not a right. happy time for him. Right. So I think he's been alone for an hour in the past two months. So it's really working out for him. <laughs> we, we we love all the updates. And is there is there if somebody wanted to follow you, is there a way they could find you? Yeah. So I have uh, you know, my normal everyday actress life. Instagram is at Sarah Film Booth. Okay. And then if you want to get active with me, it's at Sarah Fit Booth, uh, where I do all my, uh, you know, it, so I don't annoy all the film people with all my working out. <laughs> <laughs> and so people can find you and follow you and, and get involved with what you're doing uh, with of fitness course. as well. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, was there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? Oh, I guess if you guys, I mean, it was a Christmas series but if ever you guys enjoy Dennis Leary and Elizabeth Perkins and or Jay Baruchel the last thing that I was just in is called A Moody Christmas and it was a six episode uh, limited series that played uh, on Hulu and Fox in December so you can find it on Hulu if you want to get your Christmas on in the spring for some reason (laughs) well it was it was such a cool it was such a cool combination of people and I think Jerry D was on it as well another uh, Canadian yeah 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 that yeah it was enjoyable so what we'll do is make sure we have a link to all those everything that we've talked about today amazing uh, and make sure people can find it and we'll make sure that they can find you easily as well Sarah Booth thank you for being somebody in my neighborhood and certainly one of the people in my neighborhood and now you're one of the people in all of our listeners' neighborhoods as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's going to be a hot one today. 85 in town, 95 in the valley. I suggest you all play on the old jalopy and head on out to that beach. Bye. Typical Typical barrister. barrister.